Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Maybe Next Year, and we're going to do at least one more. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And welcome to the AFC Championship Week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the Buffalo Bills beat the Baltimore Ravens 17-3 to uh, using defense, just like we all agreed would happen. Um, I, I mean, in all the possible worlds that anybody discussed with this game, uh, I think winning 17 to three with a defensive touchdown and one good drive is um, not high on anybody's list, but that's exactly what they did. Buffalo has won really both of their games. Paul, let's start with you. Both of their games in the playoffs, not exactly in the comfortable way that they had been winning all year. I think Indy was closer to what they used to do, but I mean, this game was really like Buffalo showing that they could do something else if they had to. Yeah, this was not at all according to script. I I'd mentioned on last week's podcast that I saw more avenues for the Bills to win than the Ravens, even though I thought the Ravens could definitely win this game. Uh, this was not one of the avenues I expected with a dominant defense that holds the Ravens to three points. Justin Tucker missing two field goals of under four, 45 yards and under and an offense struggling much of the game to move the ball being held, I think, to somewhere along the lines of 220 yards of offense. Not what I was expecting, but I also I, I think back to things I have mentioned in the past, too, which is in the playoffs, everything is difficult and scripts are often flipped. Remember, it was just a few years ago that Rams Patriots Super Bowl. Everyone was thinking, wow, this is just going to you have two offensive juggernaut teams. This is just going to be uh, crazy. And that game plotted along. Like there, there are snails out there who are thinking this game is just a little bit slower than I would prefer. And yes. that, that was kind of how this game went to you have two of the uh, two great, young, exciting quarterbacks in the game. You have a lot of offensive weapons, the Bills more receiver and the Ravens more backs and tight ends to help their quarterback. And yet it was the defense that stood up and how I remember after the Arizona game, we, we all said a lot of things then. And one of my biggest concerns was that the the Bills were not going to be able to fix their problems with being able to contain a mobile quarterback and being able to contain a running game. And you can say, well, the Ravens rushed for five times as many yards as the Bills did, but it's that's it's deceiving because they were not really able to make huge plays in the running game. They had a couple of big 10-yard runs or so, but no, no Lamar to the house 49-yarders like against Tennessee. Uh, like they done against Tennessee the week before. So just really hats off to the the defense on this one. Obviously, we're going to talk about Teron Johnson's phenomenal play. I don't want to overlook that they they had Milano and Klein on the field at the same time, which was an interesting strategy to contain Baltimore's running game, which seemed to work to some degree. Uh, just really, and Terry Hughes with two sacks. The the offense, the defensive line, we've often maligned because they're the highest paid defensive line in football and they don't seem to get pressure without blitzing well they got some pressure blitzing they got some pressure without blitzing either way they made it a tough day for Lamar and I will uh I will stop there go for it Scott um, Scott is on mute but he's really assessing this situation yeah well as soon as I uh, as soon as I was ready to pounce I thought, wait, let's take a minute. I don't want to completely destroy Paul and make him feel bad about awesome points that I'm about to make. Um, Fair enough. 
Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, yeah, I mean, this is one where, yeah, if you told told us going into the game that Josh Allen's going to have 206 yards passing and one touchdown, we'd all be like, oh, that's not a good sign. And then we had 200, and, as Paul was saying, I think 230 or 220 yards of total offense. We'd definitely be like, well, that's definitely not going to work. But, yeah, I mean, credit to the defense, credit to Leslie Frazier um, coming up with a really solid plan. Again, a, a completely different plan than the plan that they – executed last year um last year's plan was not a lot of blitzing a lot of soft zone you know kind of the buffalo quarters which i may or may not be directly linked to buffalo the team or 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 how we played them last year but um certainly uh it it was a a way of containing them last year but then we had a different way of doing it this year which is way more blitzing and 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 the numbers were pretty stark i think i think next gen stats was tuning out that basically the Bills in the regular season were blitzing, you know, one out of every five times maybe. And in that game, it was closer to uh, one in, one out of two, you know, 40, 50 percent of the time, at least in the first half um, before things kind of changed in the second half. Obviously, um, with the two score lead and the backup QB and that that changed how we were playing, certainly. But at the same time, I don't think uh, it's fair to. Complete completely uh, change what's what's going on on the offense. The offense did a really okay job holding on to the ball, but at the same time, the Bills haven't played their best game yet in the postseason, and it's increasingly apparent that they're going to need to. Um, obviously, we'll get into what happens with Kansas City and Mahomes later, but it, they're, they're going to need to put it all together at one point. I mean, I think Indy, in some ways, was um, a game where the offense certainly played better. The defense didn't really, um, you know, kind of kept the lid on the Colts uh, when the Colts were going to their kind of plan A. And then when the Colts went to, pan, to plan B, the the defense didn't really have an answer. And it was only really by the skin of the teeth that they they made it out of that game. Um, you know, they did, and and they get credit for that. But again, it's, it's worrisome that we haven't played a complete game, though at the same time, obviously you're excited that they haven't played a complete game and here they are in the championship game. So it, it's, it's good. Um, I'm pleased. I'm still a little worried. I, I don't know. Frank, are you, are you are you worried or are you just you're just so I think Frank's just soaking it all in. Yeah, I think that that has been my MO for the playoffs. I it's hard to say worried. I mean, I think this week thinking about the Ravens game, worry might have crept in a little because I think it was such a good matchup in a lot of ways that it was clear that like this was this game was going to take an effort and to really I mean. I think Paul nailed it on on the one side with regards to, okay, yeah, they you know they had a couple hundred, nearly 200 yards rushing, but like it didn't feel like it. Right, they had 80. Sorry, they had like 150 yards rushing, which a lot of days, you know, that's a good day of rushing for a lot of people, but for a team that basically runs Navy, uh, that's a terrible day. And so that, that was well under the Ravens' season average. Right, exactly. And I think the other side of that coin is that things don't look necessarily on first blush right i think when i look at josh allen's game i think it was a really good game in some very key ways one of the things that really stood out to me he was sacked twice and both times he took the sack including the one that was at the 50 yard line and was so reminiscent of the week before and i i felt like i watched him just go okay go down not a big deal right like take the sack and he didn't lose the ball or or have that issue especially in a in in which uh, well, he did bump once but but in general, yes, I agree. Right. Yeah. So, to, but to me, like, I felt like he was making good decisions and I, and 
it's already starting to bear out as you watch, you know, some of the people begin to break down the tape that like the passes he's missing, you know, those are wind passes. Like certainly like that, the, there was, there was room for like another 15 points. Like if, if you could give the, get rid of the wind, I think Buffalo wins by more because maybe Justin Tucker makes those field goals. But I also think like Tyler Bass makes his field goals. And I also think that Buffalo hits on a handful of these passes. Um, and so you can, of course, never really predict the, the counterfactual. But to me, I'm, I'm comfortable with them uh, even, even in a better weather game. And so with one of their key elements of the game missing, you know, like they managed to adjust. And to me, that's just like another thing in Josh Allen's pocket, another thing he'll go forward and learn from. Um, and he's learned so much. He's changed his game so much that like my guess is if he plays in another win game, he might have a better strategy for how to get some of these these passes in and out to him. Um, it was remarkable that they, you know, they run the it's funny because it's they ran the ball 16 times and that seems high to me like that actually doesn't that seems like too many. I think some of the other things I highlight like Stefan Diggs like falls out of bed and catches 100 yards receiving. He's just like it, it's effortless, effortless to him. He just. It's amazing to watch him do like short routes and catch the ball and, you know, and then get extra and then go down. And just like before you before you know it, he's got 106 yards receiving and a touchdown. So I was really thankful to see that. And then I don't know, man, Baltimore's a cowardly team. I think Baltimore's a cowardly team. I think that they really um, I was listening to Bills and Beers and they they really enjoyed beating the shit out of Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson. And I don't quite want to do that because I think Lamar Jackson is still a pretty good quarterback. But you got to let him throw more. And if you can't let him throw more, then you've got the wrong guy. Because once it was turned into a passing game for them, you could see that he was rattled um, and that he was sort of unsure with where to go the ball. I wasn't sure if the Teron Johnson pick was going to was going to break the game open, but it kind of did. Now, if Lamar doesn't go out with a concussion, who exactly knows, but he already looked overwhelmed. Their center, who this, you know, as of yesterday or today, was quoted as saying, like, he, they had to switch to a silent count based on 6,700 people in the stands. That's how loud the, the fans were. And that screwed up his, his snapping. And he basically took the blame. So, you know, in some, like great individual efforts from a handful of people, um, a great group effort by the defense. And, you know, like to me there, this game, this game was an excellent game. It really was like, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a really interesting and neat game to watch. And I think I want to go to Scott and Paul uh, in that order and let them just highlight any plays or players you want to talk about. Um, and then we'll get to three stars. Sure. Yeah. Briefly. I mean, I think, yeah, I think I was, um, I think, I think I, I took away and, and, and I, I don't want to overstate this. I think the balance, the somewhat more in the realm of balance, balance that we showed in the second half is a bit more how I'd like to see us run the offense. I know that obviously Baltimore has a good, good run defense and the matchups weren't going to be there. Um, I understand that, you know, on a per play average, yes, every pass is going to be probably more efficient than every run with this team. But I think we also didn't really move the ball that effectively. I mean, we didn't really move the ball that effectively the whole game. Now, obviously, we had we had one good drive and a lot of it, I'd say a lot of it is due to the win because that does um, a limit the D plays. It also limits the risk of the D plays because the defenses can start the defense can start creeping up. And that worked both ways. 
But at the same time, the Bills didn't really have a drive. They had the 166-yarder, which did have the run play sprinkled in. And then it was, other than that, I think our longest drive was 38 yards, which is really not that great. Um, and again, the, the wind is, is certainly part of that. But I think um, having the run game in there, even if it's one out of six plays, one out of seven plays, just enough the draw to keep him honest, um, even the Josh Allen run to keep him honest, I think is still needs to be part of the the team going forward. Um, just to just to make sure that the other teams are thinking about it, because I, I you know yeah maybe we put it on film and we're gonna come out and run the ball 30 times next week and and Kansas City will never see it coming. I don't I don't think that's gonna be the game plan, but um, hopefully we're a little bit better on that. And then yeah the defense. I think I'll just talk about briefly, um, you know, obviously Teron Johnson did a great job. Um, you know, it was a, it was a really good play. Um, Jackson never saw him. You know, I, I definitely was the one also screaming to go down when he was in the end zone because he kind of hesitated coming out. Like you could see the hesitation or yeah, maybe I'm someone like, had a hand on him or something. Yeah. Um, but um, but he did a great job. Also say Tremaine Edmonds. Do a really good job. He's a guy who, um, you know, they said on the broadcast that he rated out pretty poorly in, in run defense this year, which I kind of buy. There, again, some of that was him being dinged this year. Um, some of that is him just still being 22 years old, um, still a bit of a man child. But I think at the same time, um, he definitely was there. He was there for it on Saturday night, and he was there for dealing with Jackson, dealing with uh, Edwards and Dobbins, especially on the first drive. And yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, Frank's right. I mean, it was a good, it was a good team win. Um, it was again, the, playing left-handed and still winning is definitely what you sometimes have to do in the playoffs. Um, so I, I think I'm very pleased that they were able to do that, you know, and, and they're on to the next round. Yeah, one thing Scott had mentioned to me in his initial, or mentioned the initial go round, which kind of struck me as funny, is like, yeah, I'm kind of worried. You know, Frank, are you worried? I'm thinking, how far removed are we? from you know recent years when it's like boy we're worried about how things could go in the afc championship game based on the way this team is played not how worried am i that they're going to be able to win a game other than against the jets this season like i feel the our worries are pressed in a very good way so you know thinking about this this game yeah these is scott mentioned and i mentioned Playoff games are, are going to go off script, and this this one was definitely one that did. I was with him on on Teron Johnson. I think Andrews is going to attack him at the one or two, and this is going to be a problem. But then by the time he got to the twenty, he just exploded, and that was that was great. To, great. Justin Zimmer was the only one who really almost caught him. Uh, so kudos yeah. to him. Uh, it is eighteen point three five mile an hour running pace apparently for Justin Zimmer. So that was obviously the. One of the biggest turning points I remember, it was like the opposite for me of the game uh, we all went to in Buffalo, where the Bills had fourth and goal inside the one and threw a pass that the Chiefs intercepted and ran back right to us where we were sitting to take control of that Jeff Tool game that we we went to back in 2013. And I feel that just took the air entirely out of the Ravens. Then when Jackson went out, it didn't really even seem like it. It had a positive or negative effect on the Ravens and you know this is going to kill them but they moved the ball relatively the same way they did before and then the defense just stood up on fourth down except for Trey White getting just hideously burned uh but as Scott brought up the wind had such a factor on this game we saw it on the missed field goals we saw players dropping passes that were essentially in their hands and not bullets they were the type of passes that 
and Chris Collinsworth had made this observation that they looked like they were just fluttering when they got to them and it made it difficult for the receivers to control. So that had an immense impact on the game as the weather often does. I think offensively, Scott hit on the 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 high points, the digs, as Frank noted, quiet, always a quiet hundred yards. Like before you know it, he's over a hundred yards and you don't even realize how he got there. Uh, exceptional job by the Ravens shutting down Beasley. I think he had maybe two targets and no catches. Gabriel Davis didn't have any catches. It was it was really Diggs and Brown who did the grunt work with McKenzie and Knox also chipping in here and there in the passing game. But yeah, they had the one, I will say they had the one good drive at the most timely moment, which was to start the second half, to come yeah. out and have a, a seven-minute drive that results in seven points that gives your defense a much needed rest after the defense was out there forever practically in the first half that was absolutely huge and then you take a a 10 to 3 lead and then by the time johnson ran his back in 17 to 3 you knew that was insurmountable so that's kind of my my nitpicking of the game on the higher level order i just want to say just how exciting it is that you know as I was doing research for this day and Bill's headlines, I mean, I haven't seen these headlines before because we're never podcasting this week. <laughs> Occasionally we podcast after the championship games, just to talk about what the bills have done so far in the off season to give maybe a bit of a Super Bowl preview. But I don't think in the, this is our end of our, as we approach the end of our ninth season of doing this, I can't remember doing a podcast between the divisional round and the championship game. Cause there was no reason to. So uh, I just want to end on that note and say how, how how nice it is to be doing a podcast on January 18th. Yeah, I think like our first season we were doing that, but that was well before the invention of right. this day in Bill's headlines or or even history. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, this it's it's remarkable that we're we're looking those things up. Uh, one thing we don't have to look up because we just know the answer is who the three stars of the game were. And uh, that we don't have to look that up because there's only one source for it. And that's our our, our very own Scott, who, of course, um, has poured over his texts and performed his dark alchemy to to arrive at these answers. And we're excited for them. Yes, no one no one can know except me until now. And now for everyone sure. knows. Sure. Um, so we are going to start with uh, the honorable mentions as we as we often do honorable mention goes to john brown getting it out getting those eight catches for 62 yards uh, mm-hmm. again not a lot of you know a couple a couple good first downs a couple nice catches on the sideline doing his kind of gabe davis impression you know being the guy there who keeps running keeps keeps going that's something that the guys have always said about Allen is that you know a you got to you know, A, you want to play for him because he's a great guy and he's a good leader. But B, you, you want to keep playing and keep running those routes because routes aren't over when when you get to the point, you know, on the on the diagram where it says, you know, and the play's over because Allen can keep running and guys got to stay open. So Brown was doing that on Saturday. Great job by him. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds gets one um, again for 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 being real solid. Um, Trey White gets one for in general, doing a great job on Hollywood Brown. I have to think that Trey knew that there was no way that the backup quarterback would be able to complete that pass in the wind. And uh, that's why he let that guy get behind him. Why, uh, sure. why let Hollywood Brown get behind him on that pass. Yeah, I had definitely said it during the game, like, well, like, there's no way he just beat him clean. It must have been some sort of miscommunication. And then they, as I was saying this, like, the, the replay came up and he just ran right past Trey. <laughs> yeah, no, he Trey was playing the – he was playing the – the sticks and that was not what that that play was that was that was the deep ball and hey you know sometimes you gotta 
Trey's better at this than we are, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Um, yeah, I will give uh, also an honorable mention to to Hollywood Brown with the four catches. Um, he did. He was he was there. He he did pose the Bills some problems. We were able to mostly keep him uh, under wraps again with Trey mostly involved, but he did was able to keep up uh, a, a couple big third downs uh, for them. Um, but yeah, we will we will move on now to the. Uh, actually, there was one last honorable mention. This is a very close one. I went back and forth on this one. Um, I give the last uh, honorable mention, the closest to cracking the top three, to Jerry Hughes. Um, three three tackles, but the two sacks, and obviously a bigger bigger game with. I think he had seven seven pressures, is I think what it ended up being. Um, part of a uh, an overall great defensive effort, but really Jerry was key in terms of keeping that box pinned in, and he was just talking about it after the game that it was important that they you know the ends went out wide to try and make sure that. Jackson wasn't able to go out left or right directly from the the C gap, as it's called, and that he would be forced up into the B gaps, and then they'd try and kind of crunch him down, or that's where the blitz would be coming from. So um, a great job by Jerry, but he didn't quite make it because I feel like um, the third star did have to go to Stefan Diggs with the eight catches, 160 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, again, not you know this is why we needed Stefan Diggs, right? This was this was the game because um, you know if John Brown is your number one. And he's got, you know, whoever, you know, Marcus Peters or whoever, you know, on him. I'm not sure that John Brown's getting open as much as Stefan Diggs is. I mean, John Brown's a really good receiver, but the 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 Ravens have guys who have been to multiple Pro Bowls all across their defensive backfield. And Stefan Diggs is better than all those guys. And that's why he was able to get open. And uh, he's playing as, as well as anyone in the league, first team all pro. Um, you know, we needed him in this game. This was the game that we needed him to get, and he got it, and he was there. He was open on the hitches. Um, he was open to catch the first downs. He obviously caught the touchdown pass, which, you know, got had to be been a blown coverage by the Ravens to uh, not not see where that screen pass was going. Yeah, not count uh, how many people were over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, with three receivers to the two DBs. Um, and Paul astutely pointed out that, that the, Allen was trying to hurry that play up to get that play done before the Ravens realized that the uh, that, that was the situation they were in. But he got it over the end zone. Um, so that's, that's third star. And, again, if he doesn't – if he's not in this game, I'm not even sure the Bills score 10 points on offense. Like, yeah. It, I mean, that's 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 the thing. Right. I mean, we'd be looking at another Jacksonville, you know, six, three kind of game where it doesn't really matter. Like someone's going to win it and it's going to be something stupid because neither of these teams are competent uh, enough on offense. I mean, maybe it would have been a little different. Maybe Allen would have pulled something out of his hat. But um, seems seems like that was that was a, a key difference in the game. Um, and second star goes to. um I'm giving it. I'm going to give it to Leslie Frazier for the second star. Hey. I don't think I've done a lot of oh. a lot of coaches this year, but I think uh, in general, the obviously holding any team in the playoffs to three points is pretty solid. But obviously, um, you know the Ravens. You know, yeah, 340 yards. That's okay. Certainly not what you want if you're the the, the Ravens in the playoffs. And a lot of that was really um, if you subtract. The, the kind of the garbage time yards. I don't say that's all garbage time because they were still within two scores. That, that was certainly within striking distance, but obviously Huntley had 90 yards, um, you know, with a backup quarterback coming in. And the Bills, you know, kind of changed the defense, went into a prevent, right? Sorry, what was that? I was going to say, it's called desperation time, if not garbage time. 
Yeah, certainly. And and the Bills changed their defense at that point to kind of give him some of the underneath throws for the most part, you know, the Trey White play being the exception. Um, and, you know, just just try and slow them down enough so that they couldn't make the two scores. But again, I think that was the right call. I mean, everyone hates, the, you know, the kind of the prevent defense or kind of backing out what they were doing. Um, but, you know, you do have to be a little more conservative. And that was the correct call. Make them, you know, don't give them any cheap ones that let them score quick because that's the only way you'll lose. And and just, um, again, a, a good job this whole season um, for Leslie Frazier adapting to the new players, the new personnel, the evolution over time, figuring out that this team needed to blitz more. This team couldn't sit back like the ones in the previous years and just play kind of easy cover three you know, man under stuff, you know, you know, let them come to you, that kind of stuff that wasn't getting it done earlier in the season and they needed to be more aggressive. And so he turns up the secondary blitzes. Um, he turns up the linebackers um, and, you know, gets AJ Klein to give us a couple of solid games. Um, you know, again, great work all year for him and um, best of luck to him, obviously with his Houston Texans interview, which presumably was yesterday. Um they anyway. they said oh sorry quickly they had said that they change the rules so these coaches can still do interviews this week if they want to or if they have availability to they weren't supposed to but that's there's been yeah. a flexibility very very odd thing I feel like everyone said Dable was going to be had the inside track in San Diego and now they yeah and you we will just... we will touch on that in a minute I just wanted to get yeah. that note out there sorry and your first star goes to Teron Johnson obviously. And, I'm sorry. Um, the well done on the on the the edit there. Yes, um, please go to our Twitter and find the video. Yes. Um, the obviously Teron Johnson had a, had a good game anyway. I mean, he was there on the blitzes. He was covering their slot guy uh, Swede, I think, who didn't have a lot of catches for the most part. Um, Teron Johnson also had the had had six tackles, obviously, there in the run game. Um, and we've definitely picked on him at, at points in the year. He's had good games. He had the, the obviously the Steelers, um, you know, touchdown return for an interception as well. Um, excuse me, interception return for the touchdown. That's but it. obviously this. Um, yeah, I mean, this is um, if depending on what ha- I mean, his his name is going to be remembered in, in Buffalo for a long time and in Western New York for a long time. How how much this play means obviously depends on how much further the Bills go. But, yeah, if there are – if this team hypothetically goes on to do – to finish it, to end where we want them to end. Yeah. Um, I mean, this has to live almost in NFL history on some level, I would say. Like, it was – you you only have – I mean, this is this, – this, it's, it's tied for the longest play in NFL history. Um, if that's a play that – puts them over the top and they go on to win the next two. Maybe there's another play that's more that that could be even greater, but I don't know what that is. Like what is a greater play that's going to happen the next two weeks where you can say that's going to lead to, I mean, I think they said it was a 30% win probability swing, you know, in that yeah. kind of end of the third quarter kind of time frame. Yeah. I mean, you get those bigger swings later on. Obviously, if it's an insane AFC championship game with haymakers going all the way to the final two minutes. Yeah. At that point, just based on timing alone, those right. plays all become just as big. But for where we were in the game, I don't think there's ever going to be a, a bigger play this season on some level. I agree. I think that the only thing that changes the calculus of that play is, uh, is the situation. Like you could have a situation where it's a tie game 
and instead of losing, now you've won because it's the end of the game or something like that. But short of that, like that's absolutely like that's a that's a that might be like a top five play in all of Bill's history. I mean, that's a and and we should turn to our resident historian Paul for that one. But before we do, thank you, Scott, for giving us um, five star or five stars, three stars, whatever. And, uh, yeah. Uh, can I give an honorable there mention? Were honorable there, so there were essentially five stars. Yes. Can I give a quick honorable mention before Paul goes to the crowd? Because I think if if there's 6,700 people there and you've you've got the opposing center basically admitting he like he was screwing up because of them, like that's pretty remarkable. Like that's that's like a that's smaller than a a college basketball crowd uh, in some cases, right? Like that's that's pretty good. It's it, the the crowd was very good. I can certainly give an honorable mention to the crowd. I think that's a bit of sandbagging on Makari's part, doing something okay. to try and save his, save some sort of job for him on some sort of team in the future. Okay. I'm pretty sure he's going to be selling insurance this offseason. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but sure, you can blame blaming it on the crowd when it's 6,700 people. It's not helping you. So it's, maybe maybe I'm maybe maybe it really was the crowd, and in which case he needs to find another line of work. Yes. I think if you watch the and I posted it, I retweeted it um, before we went on. There's a there's a video of the interception from the crowd, and I think you'll be surprised kind of how loud it is. I think you'll be like, that's actually louder than I would have thought it was without that. Paul, do you think there's been a bigger play in Bill's history? There's, or, or, one, there's one that occurs to me. There's a bigger get, good play. I can think of a bigger worse play, but a bigger good play. <laughs> a better play, the one that occurs to me most, it, might, it may or may not end up being bigger. Uh, but at the time, remember the Bills 35 to three uh, game against Houston, the comeback game. Yes. There was a, the third quarter where the Bills had clawed their way back to 35 to 24, which is uh, remind this is before the two point conversion days. Right. So 11 points is you need two touchdowns or you need a touchdown and, you know, a couple of field goals to bring you ahead. And at the stage in the game, the Bills had just intercepted Moon. They had something like a fourth and five or so around the. Houston 25 yard line and Marv Levy, the most conservative head coach in the, the someone who makes the, uh, uh, you know, I'm not gonna make this political, just a very conservative head coach. Let's put it that way. Decides <laughs> sure. to go for it with Frank Reich as quarterback and they call a pass play to the end zone and Andre Reed makes a sliding catch in the end zone on fourth and five to, to make it a 35 to 31 game. You talk about a crowd explosion. That was a definite crowd explosion at that point and now instead of taking the conservative one route having christy kick a field goal which puts you down eight which is still two scores by that that definition now they get within one and that's that really kind of enabled them to be in position to uh put the game into maybe they don't finish that comeback without that touchdown if they settle for a field goal or field goal attempt there if they don't capitalize on that moon interception and the oilers get the momentum they take back but when I go through historically Bill's playoff history, I can't think of any one positive play better than that. And that is certainly debatable on whether Tehran's is a bigger play uh, or not. So, I mean, it was a bigger play and that he went 102 yards with it and it was a 10 to 14 point swing. Uh, yeah. But will it have the same meaning where Bill's, that was a wild card game where the Bills were down 32 and they went on to the Super Bowl that year. Uh, and a lot of it depends on what happens this coming week, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that I think that even if they don't go as far as we would like them to do, and I love how we're all dancing around saying things, um, but 
I think it'll still be the Teron Johnson game forever. And, and, and it will be like, I was at that game or I watched that game. I think this will be a thing where like 25,000 people will say they were at that game, even though we all know there were 6,700. Um, and so it will, it will live in, in, in Bill's lore forever. I mean, I'll remember it. I, I spent an hour on Sunday afternoon making, making a, a little tribute video to it. So, um, and it took much longer than I thought it was going to take, but I enjoyed it. Uh, so let's move on. You, you mentioned we're dancing around what's, you know, the next couple of games potentially here. Right. Our brand is in trouble, you realize. Yes, we've already gotten suggestions as to <laughs> what we have. A, we have a longtime listener that is only just following us on Twitter. And I'll bring up um, very funny, by the way. I liked his, his I'm assuming his joke because it's a it's a. It's a it's a Samurai Jack picture, which I love. The username is TimeKill17, and uh, he he uh, he had a good joke, which I'll, I'll I'll bring up. But he he is already sort of suggesting names for the the podcast that will be you know we might we might have to rename in in two weeks or four weeks. Um, anyway, be- before we get into all of that, before we get into our users, uh, thankfully we have kind of a clean sheet on injuries. Obviously, we don't have an injury report yet. We're recording on Monday afternoon. We probably won't see one till Tuesday or Wednesday. But there was no big Bills news of people coming off the field. I think Cole Beasley still I looked at Gilliam being helped off after a special teams play, and that's yes, literally I'm what sorry. they want. You're right, and the and and um, Daryl, but he was walking. Um, but certainly not certainly not running fast, which is right. concerning when we're going to need all hands on deck potentially against the Chiefs. But hopefully that's like you get, a, you know, and then hopefully Cole Beasley's a week better. Right. And so yeah. he's <laughs> been playing, but not necessarily contributing. And so that's one thing. Maybe you get Daryl Johnson back, who is out. I'm uh, sorry, Daryl Williams back. I have, no, have a Darryl. Yeah, you got a Darryl Johnson. OK, yep. Yeah, I, I, I get them we confused. Cause it, well, yes. No, they, and they're both on the line, just different lines. And um, and so and they have like the most common Bill's last names, as we've discussed on this podcast. Um, but, you know, largely like we don't have to sit here and, and twiddle our thumbs about, gosh, is so-and-so going to be healthy the way that the Chiefs do. But I, I think that maybe now's a good time to talk about the coaching candidates because um, Frazier and Dayball have been getting a lot of interviews, obviously, as they're good teams. And we haven't really talked about it. We haven't wanted to talk about it. But with a second here, especially with the Chargers hiring somebody else, which was Brian Dayball's um, place where he was supposed to land, um, it's which is, by the way, weird to me. Like, let's say you thought – if you thought Brian Dable was the next head coach and he was going to be a head coach, right, and then you're like, I just don't want to wait till after – uh, wait another week or two to actually hire him. That seems insane since you basically can't do anything right now anyway. Like, right. like head coaches aren't doing anything except like maybe meeting personnel, which is like, okay, so you've got to wait till February to do that. Whatever. Um, so the point is that that job is gone. You still have an Eagles and a Texans job open, but um, it's interesting to me that they're not getting the hires that teams aren't waiting on them despite their kind of success. Um, let's start with Paul, and um, I'm going to put myself on mute and be right back. Paul, go ahead. And when he's done, Scott, go ahead. Anything you guys want to say about these two guys and in regards to whether you're happy we're keeping them, whether you think it's overblown, whether they deserve jobs, et cetera, go for it, Paul. Yeah, so it was surprising that Dable didn't get the job in 
Los Angeles. I want to say San Diego every time still didn't get the job with the Chargers. As, as we mentioned, I think last week, the GM, he and the GM went to school together in Buffalo at, at St. Francis, our, our rival uh, at St. Joe's. So that was it is it was odd. And I think there was speculation in the Buffalo News this morning that that could be it for Dable's chances this year, that he's not really a, considered a viable candidate for any of the remaining openings or at least a strongly considered candidate for those openings. So from a Bills fan perspective, that is good news that he will be uh, on board another year. I think we can all pretty universally agree on that when you look at Allen's development, when you look at we've talked about continuity for continuity's sake, not always being the best thing, but continuity for the sake of continued development uh, into a team record-breaking offense is the good sort of continuity. So you're definitely happy, have to, happy to keep that, that going. When you look at it, Leslie Frazier, what's interesting is this defense really struggled at a lot of points this season. And so it would be kind of funny if he'd be the one to leave. I think we were all speculating it was going to be Dable who was likely to go and Frazier who was likely to stay. But but as Frank mentioned, Frazier is interviewed with the, the Texans, at least that we know of. There may be others out there. A 17 to holding the Ravens to their fewest points since any in any game since 2009. And to do that with a Lamar Jackson-led playoff team, in a playoff game. Nonetheless, that certainly, you know, uh, helps because it shows that Frazier can get his troops, you know, ready to go in when it counts the most. So, you know, it would be kind of surprising if he, he left on that front. So I don't know. I, we, we'd speculate on theories of what happens with Dable goes. We haven't really with what happens if Leslie Frazier goes, I'm not as familiar with our defensive assistance as I am with our offensive assistance to know if someone is worthy of a, promotion from that group. I am also not sure what viable candidates might be out there for defensive coordinator. Thankfully, Sean McDermott is a is a coach who came from the defensive side of the ball, may have a better grasp of that than me. So we'll see what happens with with Frazier. We since we were kind of surprised Dable didn't get the Chargers job. You know, I always have the word in the back of my head, maybe we'll be surprised when Frazier does get a job and we weren't expecting him to, but I guess uh, we'll find out in the next week or so. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, to me, it's crazy that Dable doesn't have a job. I mean, I, I think, I think with his pedigree of working under Belichick, working under Saban, um, obviously, you know, he's he's had situations where it hasn't hasn't quite gone as perfectly as it has this year. But just the um, in terms of the development of of Allen from where he was two years ago, I mean, no one thought Allen coming out could do this kind of what he was doing. I mean, there were some people who were projecting that this was a possibility. But that to actually it wasn't it wasn't like he showed up in the first game of his rookie season as like, oh, we all missed on this guy. He actually is the real thing. He was not great his first year. He was bad. And now he is the uh, top five quarterback in the league. That didn't happen by absent. And Allen deserves a lot of credit. Jordan Palmer deserves credit. Ken Dorsey, I'm sure, deserves a lot of credit. I'm sure he would get a look if we have a offensive coordinator opening at some point. But Dable has to be hugely involved with that. And the way that they talk about him, um, like Marcel Louis Jack's article about how much the team loves him as a person, in addition to his, um, in, in in addition to his uh, scheming kind of um, abilities. Um, again, he's always creative. There's always good game plans. It, it seems crazy to me that he doesn't have a chance. 
Um, but obviously, I'm, I'm happy to, to keep him. I mean, I think there's lots of good coordinators in the league. I think we got one. So I certainly keep him as long as I can. Frazier, for me, obviously, I think he's a good coordinator. Obviously, we had two really good defenses the last two years, and I just gave him a second star, and he's been getting better. He got the defense better this season than where it was at the start, um, having to deal with the personnel turnover. I'm a little less concerned about Frazier just because we have McDermott, who has the defensive background um, and, and should be able to, if not coach the, you know, not fundamentally coach the defense because obviously he's got to still coach the whole team and be kind of the, the 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 coach of the coaches on some level. But he should be able to find someone and ask the tough questions and get into people's um, you know business on defense to make sure that the the future coordinator there is less of a concern. So I I think Frazier certainly has a chance to come back. Um, you know I think I think he probably will. Obviously Houston's kind of a mess right now. Um, with everything going on with Watson and everything else. I mean, it's entirely possible they could still give him the job, but it, it is it does seem kind of odd. And then, um, you know, Dable, obviously, still there's some openings out there, but I guess we'll see. But I'm I, I, I'm far more worried about losing Dable than I am about, about Fraser. There you go. Um, it's an interesting – it's an interesting uh, um, conundrum. And it's funny because, I, I mean, like – like you said, I'm surprised that Dable. I'm surprised that we hadn't heard that Dable has the job, and they're just waiting to hire him until he, until he's finished with Buffalo. But um, it's it's interesting that they haven't. I wonder if I wonder if something's happening in the interviews with them that are that are turning people off. I don't know. Maybe Dable does an interview well. I'm not sure, um, but we'll see. And and certainly, um, as they say in Major League, there's only one thing left to do: go out and win the whole damn thing. Because, uh, you know, let's finish the ride and then everybody can do anything they want. Um, we can let's see. Let's go to listener questions. We didn't get any on Facebook because we posted late. Um, let me switch over from that. And uh, let's see. We got a lot of good reaction to our Whitney Houston, Teron Johnson mashup. So if you haven't found that, go ahead, find it. Send it to people. It's fun. I know Stephen had good questions uh, last week that we didn't get to because we podcasted early, but I'm sure those are buried beneath the million. Yeah, we have like a million tweets. So sorry, Stephen. I want to call that out and apologize to Stephen. I'll try and find those and maybe at least answer those uh, via Twitter in the next week or so. Right. Even though I dated now. Uh, Yes, time kills. Okay, you know what? Yeah, I'll ask you my question and then I'll give you my response so you guys can re- reply to it. But there had been a lot of chatter about like, you know, bring on Tom Brady in the Super Bowl because we need to exercise all the demons and beat Tom in Tampa and beat, you know, Pat Mahomes. And I don't want Pat Mahomes to be here because I want to beat him. And okay, sure, I understand that. But to me, to me, like what what I said was like I really don't care if if a paper bag and a and a ham sandwich show up to play because when you win the when you win it all I'm not going to say it but if you win the whole thing sorry I said a fruit smoothie then you've won the whole thing and that's plenty historic enough for me like like if they beat Tom Brady's backup who I looked up like if for some reason like like the backup is in for Green Bay or Tampa or or Chad Henney this week against Kansas City. I'm not going to pretend like that means less. You win and you win. Um, and Time Kills had said, oh yeah, the Bills had the higher score at the end in your fantasy game, but the Fruit Smoothie didn't play up to its standard and the paperback really lost that game more than the Bills won it, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but Scott, do you have a strong opinion on whether you need to yeah. write the write the no, full I, romance I, novel or not? No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, there 
<laughs> it's funny because it seems like we've been saying two of you have been saying you know you got to beat the man to beat the man or whatever yeah um but yeah. i don't yeah i'm not there this isn't this isn't actually i mean a that's a i don't want to say a fake sport it's a sport where the endings are sometimes predetermined um and b the 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 issue is is that a i don't know like would you like the way that we prove who the best are is by playing the games on some level. Right. And if Aaron Rodgers beats Tom Brady, should we say that, like, should we then want to say, oh, I'm annoyed that I didn't beat the second best quarterback in the Super Bowl that year? Like, by definition, that makes, I right. mean, honestly, by definition, obviously it could be a game where Rodgers plays terribly and Brady plays great and they somehow still don't win, which seems odd. But regardless, I mean, I think the, the point being, I don't have any particular um vengeance that i need to to get against brady and you know what beating him in the super bowl it's not going to make up for the fact that we were the the um um we were the stuckies i guess for the last 20 years it doesn't actually erase anything like all those things still happened um (laughs) i mean i'm not going to sleep better at night knowing like oh we finally got rid of tom brady like it's not like he still owned us for most of his career like it's not it, it, you know, just because we beat him at the end doesn't actually make this a rivalry or show anything. It just means that this year we had a better team. Um, and it's not uh, so, so no, I don't I don't feel anything like that. And then in, in Mahomes thing kind of goes the same way. Like, you know, it it really sucks uh, for 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 Kansas City. It sucks for him because it's a concussion that you get a finite number of those in your life before your brain stops not working or your brain. Speaking of your brain stops not working. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Um, Sorry, Scott. Um, so, where are we? What is yeah, this? it's where we are. Is it's Paul's turn because I think that you need a minute to catch your breath over there. <laughs> no, I'm. Yeah, my my point similarly applies to Mahomes. I'll, I'll just look okay. there. All right. Yeah. So I I would sleep better at night if they beat Tom Brady, and it would make me feel better about those. The Bills had not won a Super Bowl the 36 seasons before Tom Brady showed up in the league, and then he proceeded to make the franchise uh, his doormat for essentially, what, 18 seasons uh, thereabouts after he started, after he came into his starting role. So I would definitely be happy with that. But it also the point also stands that, that yes, you, you know, just because a backup quarterback is playing does not mean, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think Mahomes is going to play, and I'll get to that in a sec. But I, I what does it do to minimize? I don't think the Patriots intentionally lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl because they're like, yeah, it's not the same. If we're not facing Wentz, we're just gonna have to lose to Nick Foles. And I'm sure uh, the Giants behind Jeff Hostetler didn't Thank mind you. that Bill Sims was hurt for that Super Bowl. And right. there are, you know, other examples too. Frank Reich, we brought up earlier on this podcast because of the the comeback game. The Bills won two playoff games with him, including on the road against the Steelers after the comeback week to, you know, advance the AFC championship game, then the Super Bowl that season with with Jim Kelly. So yeah, that absolutely to me does not minimize the accomplishment. It does make it more there's probably a little bit more, I shouldn't say a little bit more satisfaction because I'd be satisfied if the Bills won the next two games, no matter, like, again, the paper bag and the ham sandwich show up, I'm still satisfied with those those wins. I think there's a little more excitement within the game if you're facing a guy like Mahomes and you're up seven or you're up six and they have the ball with a minute 12 left, you're pacing more than you would be with 
with Chad Henney, you'd be thinking, oh, well, if they're going to do it, they're going to have to earn it now. And so I think it adds a level to the excitement within the game itself, but it certainly wouldn't diminish the accomplishment. I will say I am kind of glad they've had to progress this way. I think for being a two seed that, you know, normally that's a buy and said they had to play a first round game against an 11 and five team that they had to grind out. Then they had to play the team with the best record in football last season in the Ravens who really came on. And I think they won their last six games this year. We're looking like the Ravens of last season. They went and beat them. Now you've got to beat uh, the Chiefs. And if you can somehow manage to do that, then you're going to get either a Tom Brady led Tampa Bay team or the best team, in the NFC, the Aaron Rodgers, probably MVP Aaron Rodgers led Green Bay Packers. So at this point, I think it's moot because every win is going to be, yes. you know, satisfying if they can get any more wins out of the playoffs. Very good. OK, so I'll I'll take that um, to, to mean you both agree with me, essentially, uh, <laughs> even though Paul kind of didn't. Um, Nick writes, now that the defense is healthy compared to the last time we played the Chiefs, do we employ the same game plan, not letting the Chiefs beat us over the top with a few additional wrinkle, wrinkles? This all depends on the health of Mahomes. So I'd like to get to the health of Mahomes first. There is a tweet now. Paul, I don't Maybe you saw it. Um, the a source has said Patrick passed all of his tests last night. He didn't actually hit his head. There was a nerve in his neck that got tweaked that made him out of it. He's getting re- testing done on his neck slash nerve today, but did clear all tests last night. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, here's the thing. He, d- he still has to go to and there was a lot of consternation about this because people read the first paragraph of the concussion protocol, but not the second. The second paragraph says. If, to, to get out a concussion protocol, you do have to have an independent neurological doctor, uh, you know, selected by the NFLPA and the and the NFL and, the you know, independent of the team clear you. One of the things that um, Marcel. Oh, God, what's his name? Uh, the Marcel ESPN, yeah, the, the ESPN writer. He's real. I really like him. I just I'm blanking on his name. He had, he's, got, he's got COVID, I see. So let's hope he's well, better well he was well enough to be tweeting last night so i'm hoping he's he's gonna get better quick um what i'm gonna say what he was talking about was because you can clear the first four steps of protocol and do non-contact stuff and then it's only contact you have to be cleared for by the independent neurological doctor and since quarterbacks are basically doing non-contact stuff anyway all week you don't have to divulge that the guy is healthy until the last possible minute and he's going to get the same week of practice that he always does. Um, and so that was something that was brought up last year when uh, Allen missed a game with a concussion or, or potentially was going to miss a game with a, with a head injury. Um, so my guess is we're not going to hear about Patrick Mahomes until the end of the week. The other caveat, and this is, this is of course, again, all in relation to um Nick's question, uh, a fellow named Brad, I retweeted him. He retweeted the box score, the 26-17 box score uh, of Kansas City Buffalo this year. Um, and, you know, they had – just to remind you, the 26-17 game, I went back and looked at the injury report and everything. You had Dawson Knox out. Allen was still under the left shoulder injury that he suffered early in the year, the non-throwing shoulder inju- injury. Um, it was the weird COVID, COVID week of two games that had been moved all around. John, Brown, I think this was John Brown's first game back after injury. He basically did nothing. Um, Matt Milano was out. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds 
was injured but playing. Tredavious White was injured but playing. No, um, no, Tredavious White didn't play. Oh no, you're right. He was injured but playing. I'm sorry. He had a back. Yeah, he had a back injury, but he was and yeah. he was doubtful all week, or he was probably you know questionable during the week, but he didn't practice and and was not playing as well as he could. And you know, um, Allen 122 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. You know, they they let the Chiefs run all over them. Um, so that was kind of that time. So let me read Nick's question again, since I've, we're basically doing this preview of the Chiefs now. Um, now that the defense is healthy, basic compared to last time, do we employ the same game plan, not letting the Chiefs beat you over the top with a few additional wrinkles? Um, I've talked a lot. Scott, do you have any thoughts about about this? I mean, want, do you want to start talking about the Chiefs game now and kind of weave it into the rest uh, of the podcast? Get- Back at the after the same Bills history. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you certainly, I am, yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where it's like, if you told me that we were going to hold Kansas City to 26 in this AFC championship game, you have to take that, right? You, you do. Yeah. The problem is, is that you don't know what happens to Kansas City's offense if Buffalo is scoring like Buffalo can score, mm-hmm. um, like it did not this previous weekend against the Ravens, but obviously two weeks ago it's against the Colts or the weeks prior um, of the last month of the season. Because then that Kansas City means they're going faster. They're going to try and pass more and not attempt to run 46 times and pass 26 because they're confident that the game's going the way they want it to. So it's it's those counterfactuals where you don't know how Kansas City reacts to being down. Um, you want to certainly put them off of what their game plan was. Um, but I would have to think um, – at home, Kansas City probably feels like they're. I mean, they were throwing the ball all the way around the field on on uh, on Sunday. Um, the Browns' defense, you know, has some good players on it. Certainly, they're not. They're not. Um, you know, I, I think cohesively, they're not quite the hole that that Buffalo's is. But they have Miles Garrett. Um, they have plenty of good. You know, Adrian Claiborne. Um, you know, they have good players on that on that team. So, I think the Chiefs are going to come out and pass more. So, I think the Bills are going to have to be balanced and and be ready for anything. I mean, I think that the the challenge the Chiefs pose is obviously when Mahomes is in there, they can they can target any point in the field. And that's really the tough thing. So you 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 almost um you want to kind of focus I think yeah, I would kind of try and play it a little bit like we played it last time, but I don't just because we play it like we did last time doesn't mean we're going to have the same results as we did last time. Right. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some more wrinkles. Um I'm trying to think with with Edmonds and Milano both fully healthy, I don't. I think you're still. I think you're still probably gonna let them try and handle the run game and hope that they do a better job this time, basically, um, because right. trying to put Klein out there more is not gonna solve any problems that we have. Um, I, I think we're gonna be running a lot of nickel, um, if not if not more than nickel, um, dime, etc., um, just to make sure that we are covered against a, a, a wide variety of Chiefs playmakers. Obviously, if Henny's in there, then maybe that's when Klein's in there to try and, you know, assuming the Chiefs are going to try and run it a bit more, um, which they did do seemingly do a bit more on Sunday after Henny was in there. But we'll see. Yeah, I will note that two years ago when we did our end of season three stars, two of us had Matt Milano as the team's first star of the season and one had him as number two. And as noted, the Bills' record this season in games Matt Milano has played is 12-0. and 0. So I think instantly your game plan changes a little bit from what you did against the Chiefs. And I think another thing is we haven't had 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire playing since what week 15, the Chiefs' top mm-hmm. running back. He may very well not play again next weekend. So that could change the approach on defense where you know, Scott Scott analyzed well how you know Mahomes is going to find his his spots. He's a really great quarterback at that. But I think there's you're gonna see an adapted game plan based on one the personnel difference, the fact that Milano is back, that Edwards Alaire might not be in there, the fact that Edmonds and Trey White will be playing fully healthy, uh, hopefully, this whole game. And so I think you're also going to see a switch number two because you learn things from the first time you play a team. The game plan was not bad, and it did hold them to 26 points. But as we mentioned, that game plan was also, you know, founded. That game plan only works when you are able to eventually get them to stop. You you make a big negative play that makes it them unable to pick up a lot of yardage on the ground consistently, or you get a turnover, or you end up stopping the third down. And the Bills did none of those things in that game, which is the opposite of what we've seen the last two weeks against the Colts right. and the Ravens, where those teams ran well against Buffalo, but the defense either stood up, forced a turnover or a negative play, and held the drive to zero points. So I think the you you might see some similar things to that previous game plan, but it's definitely going to be adapted. And especially after they turned around the defense a little bit after the bye week, after the Arizona game, I think it will be slightly different in that regard. So that would be my my analysis of what's going to happen on defense on Sunday. Yeah, I think that that's all right. I think that it comes down to the personnel and you're hoping to do that. I think that one of the other nice things we didn't really talk about in the Ravens game was, you know, the the tight end wasn't out of control, you know, and Kelsey's going to be a, a big problem for them. But you feel better about it with a healthy Milano and a healthier Edmonds in there that you're not just, you know, just going to be helpless the way that you probably were. Uh, in in week six, that game plan was about getting you to exactly in that point in the game where you're down a score. And if you can make a stop, you've got a you got a little outside chance. And, you know, the bigger thing to me, the defense for Buffalo will actually be the offense. Like the, the offense of the Bills are going to probably show up. Uh, you know, I think we're building towards them finally showing up this week. But we'll talk more about that later. Um, Alex wants to know, do you think we'll see either Freeman or still suit up for Sunday's game? No. Yeah, I'd say no. no as well. I mean, I barring right. barring Davis and Beasley having setbacks, yeah, I think we're I think we're done. Um, and TJ Yeldon, welcome to the party. Thanks for showing up. Glad he's been on the team for two years, so we can yes. get those two carries. Out yeah, of right. Uh, I will say he did have one good play in pass protection, and then there was also. Trent Murphy, which is hilarious, Scott was making fun of him for rushing the passer as slowly as possible. And while he was doing that, Trent Murphy was then tackling Lamar Jackson behind the line of scrimmage by the time he'd sent that to us. So I do, even though I would have preferred to save some money and get rid of both of those guys in the offseason, I it was definitely it was nice to have that insurance uh, in both cases for the game on Saturday. When you're winning divisional round games, it was all the right decision, right? Uh, I haven't. Heard, Mike says I haven't heard much about the trade that essentially got us Trey White and gave the Chiefs Mahomes. Two Pro Bowlers. Both teams are much better since the massive understatement. Uh, since then, massive understatement. Any regrets? Would you do the trade again? At the time, I was very frustrated we didn't take Pat Mahomes. I think Mike, if you're asking me, knowing what I know now then I guess I'm probably pretty comfortable with the trade. But like, as with any trade, you don't know that trade. So if you're sending me back in time to 
with the same amount of information. I'm probably still frustrated we didn't trade for Pat Mahomes because there's just no guarantee that, you know, Josh Allen works out the way that he does. Uh, you know, I'm really glad that he did. But like to sort of look back with, uh, you know, rose colored glasses and say, of course, it was a great idea. I don't know. I, I, I can't get there. Yeah, Scott, it's safe to say, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Scott. No, Paul, go ahead. Yeah, it's safe to say that trade it worked out really well for both teams and neither team should have any regret about that. You know, but Frank noted the there's a space time continuum thing that's broken if you do this. Like if they if the Bills take Mahomes, well, how are you going to find your all pro cornerback? How are you going to build around Patrick Mahomes? How's Mahomes development going to be when it's not Andy Reid and staying behind Alex Smith for a year to learn on the job? So many things could change and it could be better. It could be worse. But the Bills would be a completely different looking team now. I'm fairly confident, though, they would not have won the Super Bowl with Mahomes last year because they just would not have had enough time to build around him uh, without the extra season they used in 2017 to get white and to get some of the other pieces they got uh, that they wouldn't have been able to do. And also that gave them first round two first round picks next year, which they were able to leverage into Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds, who are two huge contributors now. Uh, but I want to be so arrogant and say like, oh, they should, of course, not made it because, you know, it's Mahomes is was the, an MVP. He was the MVP two years ago. He was the Super Bowl MVP last year, and he's a great player. But I just I'm accepting reality. I am happy, really, really happy with where the Bills are right now. And I'm sure the Chiefs are really happy with their, where they're at. So I'm cool with how how the trade has worked out. I'm uh, pretty sure we should get Mahomes, I guess. I mean, like, I think, like, obviously, like, I love Trey, and yes, I, I accept reality on reality's terms here with 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 Paul. But yeah, I mean, it's just because the value of a quarterback is higher than that of a corner. You know, it's you know a, a tackle's worth more than a guard. You know, a, right. you know a, a a running back's worth more than a punt returner on some level. So it's just just as much of that. I mean, um, the way the sporting Bob, news had it. And so that's where a punt return would be greater than a running back. <laughs> yes, exactly. Unless it's TJ. <laughs> um, the, the way the Sporting News had it in an article from earlier this year, it was Trey White, a third round that year, which I guess was packaged later with something else to get Deion Dawkins and Zay Jones. Um, but then also the first rounder in 2018, which was Tremaine Edmonds. Um, and then um, and then we also got Saron Neal. So obviously a lot of package of guys. Even then, still have to kind of take Mahomes because he's the MVP of the league and, and all the other things that he's done and the Super Bowl win. I feel like those are the, the deciding factors for me. Mike wants to know also if we have any thoughts about the age discrepancy for quarterbacks between the NFC and the AFC. My only thought is the AFC is just going to be a lot harder for a lot longer uh, because it's just like, you know, even even sounds like Deshaun Watson is going to be kind of switching around to a better team. And so... Um, it'll be just a harder road to hoe for 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 the Bills and other AFC teams for for years to come than necessarily the NFC. Yeah, I, I can't imagine there's ever been age discrepancy where the combined age of the two AFC championship game quarterbacks is 49 and the two NFC championship game quarterbacks is 80, 80 years old versus 49 years old. That is mm -hmm. kind of uh, kind of nuts. And the NFC, which was an inferior conference this year. Uh, they've got to they've got to fix their old quarterback. They're getting young quarterbacks in there. This guy is moving, fired. Hats off to him. Phenomenal career, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, Brady's going to go his way sooner or later. Rodgers is 37. Time to get some young blood in there, NFC. 
quick thoughts, Scott, and then we should get to this day in Bill's headlines. If any. No. Okay. Uh, this day in Bill's headlines, we have a question from Greg on Facebook, but that, I'll use that as our final touch point for our, our Chiefs conversation. Um, but, Paul, I know you you got, you slapped together. Uh, that's that's disrespectful. You you carefully curated this morning some some uh, headlines for us. We carefully curated an hour and 15 uh, minutes, during which time we were had a guy over here trying to get our stove uh, properly situated. Uh, but that's 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 for our next podcast, home improvement mm-hmm. repair next yeah, year. Yeah, maybe next repair. Got it. Yep. So we're going to go back. It's January 18th. We're going to go back to 2020. I think you guys are going to do well on the first few of these. We'll see if I'm right. <laughs> 2020. Williams. Bill's defensive tackle Blank will discover his value on open market. Blank has tweeted that he views himself as a top three defensive tackle, which likely would put his annual salary expectations at more than the Bills would be willing to pay. The top three DTs all make more than $17 million. Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips. Told you guys. 2020. Yes. All right. 2019. Blank was improved in 2018, but should Bills invest a fifth year in him? We'll go back and watch all of Blank's stuff, Brandon Bean said. His professionalism went leaps and bounds this year. He really worked hard, and I saw a guy putting the effort in, not only on the field, but he brings juice and energy at our practice like I didn't see a year ago. Defensive line coach Bill Tierlink tells me he brings it to the meeting room as well. I think we'll continue to watch him, how he handles the offseason, how he comes back in here, but I'm happy for him and his success. It's probably the other one, right, Shaq Lawson? Lawson, yep, very good. All right. Two for two. 2018, so now back three years. Blank bows out of Pro Bowl due to injury. Blank suffered the injury while tackling Jacksonville Jaguars running back Leonard Fournette during Buffalo's 10-3 loss in their wildcard meeting at Everbank Field. We only had one defensive Pro Bowler three years ago, so I think... Zach Brown? What's that? Zach Brown? No, good guy. Actually, was Zach? He might have been a pro bowler. Maybe we had more pro bowlers at the end of the 2017 season than I give uh, give credit for. It wasn't Matt Milano, was it? Was he already? It wasn't Matt Milano. He's yet yeah. to make a pro bowl. Right. And he was. I think he was still rotating with Ramon Humber at that point in his career. Um, Lorenzo Alexander. No, no. but another. Another good guess. He was actually named. Uh, he won an award for uh, comeback, not comeback player of the year, but one of those types of awards. So, yeah, the Bills had two defensive pro bowlers, and it was Kyle, and it was this guy. I don't want to give his – it's an obvious name, so I don't want to give too many hints here. Tredavious White. Yeah. Nope, good guess. Uh, lawyer Malloy. There, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, Kavika Mitchell, and then I'm done. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Jekyll. Oh, Micah Hyde? Dr. Jekyll and Micah Hyde, yes. Very nice. Beginning of the McDermott era, he is there, yeah. Okay. Yep. No quiz on this one, but a headline because of the week it is that I felt the need to mention. Uh, Bon Jovi, Donald Trump's evil genius helped torpedo Buffalo Bill's bid. That is all. I'm I'm just going to leave that there. All right. 2017. There's there's an alternate podcast in a different dimension where... Yep. Where that um, do- whatever. I'll let you guys fill in those blanks. I just want to say that there is another podcast in another dimension where that headline's different and we are saying different things right now. Yes. 
Yeah. Wow. This it's, is the place. That, that could be a whole <laughs> of an off-season podcast right yeah. there. Speculating on that. Maybe that'll be our April Fool's episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's so good. We should definitely do that. Who's <laughs> owner Donald Trump? It's all right. <laughs> 2017. McDermott could make signing blank a higher priority. Rex Ryan's defense isn't the only one that took a dip. McDermott, who spent 2011 to 2016 running his 4-3 scheme in Carolina, also had a noticeable dip in his defense in 2016, and it coincides with the departure of cornerback Josh Norman. Mm. So Josh Norman. Well, no, that would be, uh, you know. That would be, that'd be easy. This is the equivalent of what they, they're saying. The jo- this guy was potentially the equivalent of a Josh Norman. He wouldn't want to let him go. Spoiler alert, he let him go. E.J. Gaines. Uh, I was going to no. say Kevin Johnson. No, no, 2017 we're going back. So think of the very, McDermott has. Very a, beginning, yeah. So this guy actually never played for. for McDermott, Sean. right, yeah. Played for Rex, defensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very, uh, uh, let's, uh, this is so tough not to give it away, but I think this one will probably give it away. He is a defensive player, and per voters in recent years, he has, in fact, been the best defensive player in the game. Stephon Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore, yes. Ah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. 2014, Bills hit reset in contract talks with safety blank. It's a process and there's no carryover. You start over again. You try to get something done. Russ Brandon told the Associated Press on Monday, we just weren't able to come up with a solution that worked for both parties. So you reset and start again. 2016? 2014. Dante Whitner. Nope. Nope. That was after him. Yes. Um, this is a uh, kind of a hint here. It is a spent. He didn't come back to the Bills. He spent six seasons with the team. He was a three-time Pro Bowler with the Bills. Jairus Bird. Jairus Bird. There you go. Well done. All right. Now we have the huge gap. Unless you want to talk about the hires of Jerron and Malarkey, which I did not. So we're going oh, all we're the way good. To yeah. Five now. Um, blank wants trade to Miami. I would love to be down there. Blank said from Orlando. I was talking to my agent about getting me down there. That's what Miami needs this year was a running back. I see McGahee. myself down there if possible. Nope, good guess. He was also a headline, but later on. This was the guy who was ticked that McGee took his spot. Travis Henry. Travis Henry, yep. All right, good job. So we're going to go all the way back now to 1994. Bill's ready for Kansas City rush. The Chiefs impressed Buffalo with their blockers. All right. The Bills lineman could not help but be impressed by the Chiefs' performance Sunday at Houston. The Chiefs, who come to Rich Stadium Sunday for the AFC Championship game, sacked Oilers quarterback Warren Moon nine times. Bills guard blank in assessing Buffalo's offensive line said overall offensive execution has helped pass protection. Pass protection is about the receivers running the right routes, the running backs doing their thing, the quarterback doing his thing, and keeping us a hold of our blocks. That's like a very Scott assessment, but it is what this player said. <laughs> now all of that's happening. Sometimes the sacks aren't all our fault, and when we're not giving up sacks, it isn't just us either. So I will say that this is a guy who is often scapegoated as the weak link of the Bills. Very good offensive line, particularly after he moved from guard to tackle. 
that he had a productive career. He had seven years with the Bills, three with the Chiefs, and two with the Giants. So he, he was 12 years in the league. He played 174 games, started 141, most of those with the Bills. He was their third-round pick out of Arizona in 1990. So not John Fina. Not John Fina. He was not just, House Ballard. Not House. He was also a good Obviously player. not Kent Hull. Um, right. I'm get Will Wolford? No, he was he was also a pro bar. He had just this guy took Wolford's place. Wolford had just left for the Colts uh, season. Okay. I will say he's known for two things, really, at least to me. He's known for being an exceptional ice skater for someone who is six five and three hundred five pounds, used to go skating with the Sabres players. And he literally in training camp one year just got body slammed uh by Damian Covington. Like they were in a fight and Damian just picked him up and slammed him to the ground and was on ESPN for for weeks. I will not get this, so I'm going to continue to read Travis Henry's Wikipedia page, which is sad. Yeah, no, it's I haven't read in ages. Last I knew there was cocaine trafficking in prison and something that's, like. Yeah, that's where it ends. Yeah, it, it basically ends that he went to jail in 2009. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, any guesses on this one? Negative. All right. Uh, I'll give one hint and then we'll go on. Uh, something Gary, something Ross. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. Oh, Cordy, not Cordy, Glenn, shut up. Uh, Peter, Spider-Man. Glenn Parker? Glenn Parker. I don't remember him at all. Wow. No, He's I don't seven, remember Glenn Parker. Wow, it's seven years with the Bills and 140 starts and three starts and Super Bowls mean nothing to you, Frank. You nothing. made that name up. That is that is <laughs> not a real Buffalo Bill. Go to the next question. I'm, all right. annoyed. I'm annoyed you're making up names now, Paul. This is... <laughs> My bad. Uh, all right. Last question. 1992. Blank prepares for his biggest game. Blank is preparing for the biggest starting assignment of his National Football League career. Blank's second biggest came last Sunday when he opened it right offensive guard for the Buffalo Bills in their AFC Championship victory over Denver. A week from Sunday, he could very well find himself in the same place. The Bills' first play from scrimmage in Super Bowl 26. With Glenn Parker still not recovered from the knee, <laughs> he suffered in the divisional round game against Kansas City. So he's real, Frank. No, Blank just because you keep <laughs> saying the name doesn't make him real. Okay, Blank? did I did I did I just say this guy's name? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so no, this, you didn't just say his name. It's a guy. It's a name you haven't said yet. Um, and I give the. I'll, I could read his quote, but it's a boring quote. So I'll give the three hints I always give, and God forbid one of them sticks. Painted his face with war paint because he wanted to be a wrestler at the end of his career. Gus, oh, God damn it. Not Gus yes, Farrell. Well, sir, you didn't need my second hint, which was cousin of an NFL quarterback. Right. Gus Farrell. Yeah. yeah. Um, his. So, uh, what the I'd, fuck's. I had a hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. What's his first name? Oh, God. Uh, it's the it's the wrestling guy. Lineman's first names, if it helps. What? Think of the Bills' current offensive lineman's first names, if that helps. Okay. Um, Dion. Mitch Mitch Farrat. Mitch Farrat. There yeah. we go. Thank you. Yes. Uh, All right. right. You guys did pretty well, except for the Glenn Parker fiasco there. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, this day in Bills headlines for Glenn G- Parker is a is a deep fake created by Paul. Yeah, Glenn Parker is a former American football offensive lineman. After retirement, he became a television NFL analyst. I think that's a lie. I think so check the check the history page. 
So I'm gonna. Oh yeah, look, recently edited from Richmond, Virginia. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're gonna talk about the Chiefs and the Bills. And as we've said, we don't make picks right now. We just we just uh, talk about how the Bills could win and how the Bills could lose. I think this is probably an easy one in that regard. But let me <laughs> let me key up two things for you here. First of all, a quick one from Twitter. Uh, Scott wants, Jasmine wants to know, Scott, do you have any tips for keeping quiet and not waking others in the house during the inevitable shouting bouts of joy and or misery in the early hours of Monday morning? Because Jasmine is also in the UK. And Greg asks, how worried should we be about our lack, offensive lack of production the past two games? Or was the last part of the regular season an outlier? So he's worried that there's something bigger going on with the offense. I feel like both of those present opportunities to talk about this football game. Um, I have already started earlier by saying I, I don't think that this is an outlier. I think you can, you know, first of all, they, they did score a decent amount of points, uh, if not a great amount of points against Indianapolis. I, I think the wind, I really believe that the wind was the issue against Baltimore. And I think provided the fact that it's not like some whipping storm in Kansas City, it's going to be I think it's going to be good. I think that you're going to see wrinkles that you did not see against Kansas City. And I think that's how they're going to win this football game. I think ultimately they will try and limit the deep damage. And I think that's exactly Kansas City's plan, too. Kansas City's plan is going to be let's stop Josh Allen from throwing deep, keep him in the pocket and keep everything in front of us. And I think that's going to be Buffalo's plan. You go ahead and run. We're not going to let you throw all over the field. And I think the winner of the game is going to be whoever breaks first. You're going to be able to whoever gets the breakout move first. And I think that's where you really have, you know. Both teams have dynamic playmakers, and if you're Buffalo, you want Cole Beasley or John Brown or Stephon Diggs to make the play, or really Josh Allen to make the play. It's going to take that kind of play. For the Bills defense, I think we've already started to talk about it, that like the, the big thing is it's the same game plan with new wrinkles, but more importantly, you know, just like the first handful of snaps by the Ravens, you know, they were running because they'll go for it. It's just going to be uh, This is finally the game. Really is going to be uh, the sprint to the the sprint to 30 or maybe the sprint to 40, given these two teams. And that's how Buffalo's going to win. They're going to have to outshoot Chiefs. Um, again. Review and feel any watch tips that you'd like to offer. Yeah, sorry, uh, you're breaking up a little bit, but I think I got, I think I got the question. So yeah, on the the UK thing. So for me, it was very easy to be very subdued waking up at 1 a.m. to watch that stupid. <laughs> the game is not stupid, but the timing of the game was certainly stupid. That took a lot of wind out of my sails. I was pretty mellow for most of that game. Um, even during the Johnson play, uh, I mean, to me, it's, it's. I'll admit, the drama of the sport is still ruined by uh, instant replay on some level. Like, I'm not against instant replay, but it does always take a little bit out of it when I can't see exactly what's going on. It was in traffic. Was he down? Was there a flag? Like, that's always in the back of my head. I think I'm just a bummer, and, and everyone who knew me at college knows that. So, uh, <laughs> Anyway, um, in terms of the offense, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, the Bills, I think the one thing I would say is 
there obviously we are in you know we don't know what the weather's going to be like sunday i think i would take a, a bit a couple pages out of the chief's playbook um not maybe literally but um we could probably do similar things as well um i think it would behoove us to have more short passes um we completely abandoned the isaiah mckenzie end around game um certainly um this past week but i would also say to a certain extent the week prior um i think that needs to be part of our game because those you know we're gonna have to stretch them horizontally too because those the, the, if if it's true if it ends up being something similar where the deep passes aren't there we're still going to need to be able to use the speed that we have get people in motion running with the ball going forward or at least going sideways so that then they can continue to have good angles on people when they start making moves and stuff so i think um having more of that kind of stuff in the playbook is going to be helpful um i hope we've been saving them i i i could see that being a thing because there is a recency bias and people do expect you to kind of do things that you did last week um or recently so hopefully that is something that we've been kind of waiting as the secret weapon maybe tyler croft is we'll, we'll see him come out and turn into megatron um i think dawson knox is someone who we got to put to work um obviously teron matthews um the honey badgers is he's a good safety but the linebackers for chief i think we got good matchups there if we can get cole beasley against those guys Cole Beasley has to get 100% healthy because I still don't think he's 100% healthy. He looked like he was moving better on Saturday, but obviously he wasn't able to separate. Now, uh, Brashad Breland is another guy who got a cushion, and he is a um, a slot corner for Kansas City. So hopefully that means that they'll be a little weaker there, um, and Cole Beasley can can get some matchups. Um, obviously, I don't want anyone to not I don't want him to not be healthy. But if he's out, then we have to take advantage of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think I already kind of talked about the defense. I think, um, again, to a certain extent, um, I, last week I counseled for patience on offense, and Josh Allen needed to understand that they were gonna they were gonna get him a couple times, and he needed to not do anything stupid with turnovers. It's the same thing on defense. They are gonna get you. Um, I mean, they are a dynamic. Um, they, you know, again, it's you know they 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 were making fun of it on Sunday, but it's kind of true. Like they're gonna score. A lot of times um, you try and hold them to field goals. You try and, um, you know, maybe you get lucky with a turnover in the red zone. But I think they said that Kansas City going into that game, obviously, they didn't play well, partly due to Henny and partly due to just um, for whatever reason, the Kansas City, Kansas City played well. But, you know, they had 38 red zone trips and scored on 37 of them this year and only like six field goals. So, um, you know, that's that's really got to be the critical thing is you try and get you try and um, stay patient Keep sticking to your plan on defense. Don't panic. They are going to score, but you have to trust uh, and play complimentary football, like you know Coach McDermott always says. You have to assume that you do your your piece of it. The defense keeps them from scoring a touchdown on every drive. If they score a touchdown on every drive, we're going to lose. So we have to do better than that. And then beyond that, on the defense, um, you, you almost have to kind of say, well, now it's a little bit the offense's job to help out here too. So that's all I'll say. Yeah, I mean, I since. We'd already kind of covered the defense in the previous segment. I won't spend any time on that other than to echo Scott's thoughts. You can't get into the shootout. You can't hope to win 63 to 56, though. Maybe that happens. You've got to you've got to figure out ways to adapt your previous Colts, excuse me, your previous Chiefs game plan back from the Monday night game and use that to succeed. Offensively is going to be very interesting. We didn't talk at all about the fact that the on the Bills touchdown drive, the thing they did best was start giving the ball to Devin Singletary for several 
uh, I think two two runs, two or three runs of nine, I think two runs of nine plus yards that helped you get them into scoring position, both of which were those, the tough variety, put your head down, bowl through people runs, and both of which John Feliciano jumped up after and did like a, a fist pump LFG sort of uh, reaction to. So I don't think you go to a power running game, but maybe run it more than the, I think, what, seven times they ran the ball. Uh, and that includes the end when they were trying to just run out the clock. So, you know, maybe maybe do that to keep the ball away from the Chiefs a little bit. But that said, you can't get away from what you do best. We hope, is Scott know, that Cole Beasley is, you know, going to take a, another step in the right direction and be healthy this week. You hope Gabe Davis' ankle doesn't limit his effectiveness. You hope John Brown now, which will be his fourth game back since uh, returning from injury, that he's gotten it all together now. And I think those are, uh, you know, I'm not telling but I think they don't know here, but those are going to be the key factors. Don't try to do too much if the Chiefs are containing you over the top. Don't necessarily try and hit the big play because, as Scott Frank mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Stephon Diggs can very quickly and quietly get you 100 yards, and those yards get you closer and closer to the end zone, and you still might only need it. Nine or ten yard, nine or ten play drive to get into the end zone. Uh, but if it is availability over the top, like the Ravens were making it, don't be afraid to do it. Unless there's a wind in Kansas City, like there was in Buffalo, one of those is going to hit and make it. So see how the Chiefs are approaching it. Take what they give you. Don't be afraid to mix in the run just a little bit more. Again, mm-hmm. don't get away from the pass happy offense, but it was effective against the Chiefs when they limp used it on their one touchdown drive. So don't be afraid to go that route and yeah, don't let them score every drive. I think think Scott hit that one on the head. Yeah. I think that you, you got to keep in mind too, that maybe without Zach Moss, that was a bit of the issue. And hopefully with Singletary and, and Yeldon or Williams, they, they can mix them in a bit better, you know, having a week under their belt. So let, let's get us out of here. Um, you know, MNY Bills on Twitter, uh, B Bills MNY on Facebook. Go ahead and find us. Let your friends know. Share this along. We're so happy you could uh, join us today, but we're at an hour and a half, so we got to get out of here. Until next time, where we are hoping against hope to be talking about the mother of them all and our Buffalo Bills. Uh, Take care of yourself. Be well, and we'll see you then. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Goodbye, everybody.